if you as a pastor will schedule evangelism into your week every week, it will revolutionize the evangelistic effort of your church. Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, Director of Communications here at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. And today we have Dr. Grant Gaines. Uh, Grant is pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee, and he's uh, eight years into that position and has uh, really seen some movement in his church over these past few years. Grant, uh, welcome into the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, we really do appreciate you being here, and uh, we're excited about talking evangelism with you. And, uh, you know, coming out of this recent evangelism conference that was held over at Union University there in Jackson, you had the opportunity to be one of the breakout speakers and cover some things that your church is doing. And that's really kind of where we want to focus today. Uh, We have uh, April coming up, uh, late Easter this year, really, at the end of April, so Hopefully, with the timing of this podcast, it still gives some folks to focus on on their evangelism efforts on reaching their community. But but really, um, talk a little bit about how evangelism for you is not a seasonal emphasis with Easter and Christmas. It's something you're really trying to do year-round. So just, just tell us a little bit about how your church is approaching evangelism. Yeah, well, you know, I do think that Easter is a natural time to focus on inviting people to church. So one of the parts of our evangelistic strategy is that we believe that, you know, inviting people to church is still a great way to do evangelism. Um, A church invite is not necessarily direct personal evangelism, you know, because you're not necessarily explaining the gospel to your neighbor or coworker or family member that you're inviting. But it is a great way to get them into uh, a worship service setting where they can hear the gospel. And so we do we do try to emphasize that. For Easter, uh, what we are doing is we have invite cards that we'll pass out to all of our church members in the weeks leading up to Easter. Uh, and then we're also, we'll canvas some of the neighborhoods around our church building, and that's part of uh, focusing on the neighborhoods around our building is, is kind of part of our overall evangelistic strategy, which I'll talk more about in a moment. But then also one of the things that we'll do, and uh, this might be a good, uh, a new idea for some, it might be something that's an old idea for others, but it was new for us as of about a year ago. And that is um, Ed Stetzer, uh, who writes in the church growth area, he talks about not wasting your bump. And what he means by that is that there are times in the year, uh, and if you've been a pastor for very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah where you have ups and downs of attendance. And so Easter and Christmas and Mother's Day are kind of uh, three of those natural bumps where you will have an attendance bump and you will have people in your worship service that uh, may not come to church any other time of the year. Uh, and so one of the he talks about not wasting that. And so one of the things that uh, that, that means is, first of all, pour into uh, in your efforts of inviting people to that service. But then also, one of the things we started doing is we, we build, uh, even this year for around Easter, we will build a mini-series, sermon series, that will launch on Easter Sunday. And so this Easter, when I preach on the resurrection, uh, it's going to actually be the first of three sermons in a series that we're calling New Life. Yeah. And so I'll preach on Easter Sunday, 
the sermon about obviously how Christ was raised back to life and new life. And then the next two Sundays I'll preach uh, sermons on what it looks like to have new life in Christ. And so, uh, and the key there is that when you have all those guests present for Easter, uh, at the end of the service, we'll say, hey, you know, guys, thank you for coming to Calvary today. Uh, we know that some of you, this is your first time here, and you're not regular attenders at our church. Uh, we want you to know this is the first part of a three-part sermon series called New Life. And we just want to ask you to give us two more weeks uh, of your time that you would come out and finish the rest of this series with us. Uh, we did that around Christmas time and challenged them to come back to a series that we were starting in January. And we had several people wow. uh, come back uh, as a result of that. So yeah, that's just I, one little idea. I love I love that idea of that being the launch, and then really, you know, a lot of people they don't they don't want to miss like if it's a mini series on Netflix or something they they don't want to miss the rest of the episodes, especially once you start and get immersed in it. And right. uh, man, I really like that idea of, of starting that out and, and drawing people back in. And really, in, in, those that'll hang with you for three weeks, um, they they may hang a lot longer uh, with you. At, at least, kind of hang around and hear some more. But uh, there's a real good chance the Lord would work in those three weeks, and uh, you know, go from Jesus's resurrected life to their resurrected life. So, yeah. so you uh, you've also talked about how. You know, it's not just focusing on those bumps. Those are those are strategic times that you need to plan for and prepare for. But, but you guys have really woven into the life of of who you are as a congregation, uh, trying to to be consistent evangelists in your neighborhood. Just talk a little bit about that consistency and what you're doing. You've mentioned working in the areas around your church, but what does that mean beyond that? Yeah, well, there, there are several things that, as I look back over the past year, we've seen God uh, do some amazing things over the past year that we've not seen Him do before, at least to that degree. And as I think back over the characteristics that kind of mark that time period and, and what I can attribute that to, obviously, first of all, uh, we just attribute it to the Lord and, uh, and His grace to us and His power. Um, but then there are some things that kind of stand out. One of them is we began to really have a passion for the neighborhood right around our church building. And so uh, we kind of we drew a, on a map a one-mile radius around our church, yeah. and, um, and we just started prioritizing our church's neighborhood. Uh, Mark Clifton, who writes for the North American Mission Board, or who, who leads the revitalization emphases for the North American Mission Board and has written some books on that, he, in all of his studies of established churches, he says that the number one reason that uh, established churches decline over the years is that they move away from being a community church mm. to becoming a commuter church. Wow. And so a commuter church is where the majority of your church members commute from maybe even long distances uh, from, your, from where your church building is, and a community church is one where you have a good portion of your church members that actually come from the local community around it. Yeah. And so it's just interesting to me that that is, that is the, uh, the number one reason, he says, for the decline of established churches. Mm. And so our church is about 130 years old. We are very established, uh, and so we just have a heart now for reaching the community around us. Now, uh, some of the things you know, that we've uh, tried to do for, uh, to, to really reach the community is, first of all, just knowing the community around us. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really even know 
what's going on in the neighborhoods around their church building. Um, and, and so for us, that kind of began with, with figuring out what's going on around our church building, what's going on in the lives of the people uh, around us. And, and so one of the things we did was we just did a little research. We used, uh, there's a, uh, a website and a program called uh, Bless Every Home and uh, a mapping system that goes along with that that churches can use. And so we started using that mapping system, and it tells you all kinds of information about uh, the households uh, around your church building, whatever uh, section of your community that you want to, uh, to, to research, it will tell you all that. And so what we found is, you know, we have a really, really diverse group of people uh, around our church building. Within one mile radius of our church, uh, we have a lot of different religions, from Catholics to Jews uh, to Muslims and Buddhists and Eastern Orthodox and Hindu and Greek Orthodox and Shinto, which is a Japanese religion. Yeah. That's all within one mile of, of our church building. Uh, and then we've got people who are, who are white and black and Hispanic and Jewish and Mediterranean and Scandinavian and Eastern European and Middle Eastern and Far Eastern and Southeast Asian and Polynesian and Native American and Central and Southwest Asian. Uh, we have at least 10 different languages spoken that we know of within one mile radius of our church. Wow. And we just realized, look, our local, our congregation does not reflect that diversity right now. Uh, and so what that tells us is we're not reaching our, we're not reaching our community. We're yeah. not reaching the neighborhoods. We're reaching a certain sector of the neighborhoods, but we're not reaching the whole neighborhood. We're not reaching the whole community. And so we kind of just repented of that and, and said, God, help us to reach the neighborhood. And one of our, one of our mottos became, hey, we want to reflect the community as we reach the community, yeah, and and by God's grace, we're starting to see some headway in in, in reaching people in our neighborhoods uh, around the church, and then also reflecting that diversity uh, within our church. Well, and you know, um, you you, yeah. t- you talk about that. You you talk about where your church is located, and of course the you know just the history of being in that location. Uh, it's interesting, you know, here in Tennessee, we have over 145 different people groups, and so one of our things that we say here is you know, reach Tennessee, reach the nations, change your world. And you know the, the reality is the world is here. It's you know when I grew up in in West Tennessee, uh, you know you might hear some Spanish every now and then and generally we were you know black and white and occasionally you'd see some Hispanics. But it, you know like okay Jackson, Tennessee, it, you know it's not one of the top 5 cities as far as population density in our state. However, uh, just the diversity of the culture that you described that there is a Baptist church sitting in the middle of, that is not something that is uncommon in our state. We have historic churches that are located in neighborhoods all across the state that are like that. Boy, what a, what a global impact the church could make if they, they followed suit. And it sounds like some of the things you're doing, any church can do. So I know you you're a you're a big fan, big proponent of door to door evangelism, which you know I I mean I don't know if you know, but that that doesn't work anymore. Is that correct? That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I've experienced. That's not what I've experienced. But that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's definitely one of uh, one of the ways that we try to reach the neighborhood. It's not the only way, but it's it's definitely one of them. Um, it's not the even the most fruitful form of evangelism but I will tell you this when it's I can trace it I can trace the evangelistic harvest that we've seen in our church over the past year I can almost trace it uh, 
to the day that we started doing door-to-door. Even though not all of our evangelistic fruit or even a majority of our evangelistic fruit has come from door-to-door directly, it was when we started going that God started blessing. And uh, I I don't think that that's by accident. I think that God honors our going. And uh, and door-to-door is just one way to go. And so uh, we used the church mapping uh, program that I told you about, and we broke up all the neighborhoods within a one-mile radius of our church building uh, into kind of manageable bite, you know, blocks. Yeah. And, uh, and so then we have a packet of information for each one and we send out teams every week. We took a break during the winter, you know, just to not yeah. get, you know, freeze people to death on <laughs> out there. But, uh, we would send people out with one of those packets for one of those neighborhoods and they would visit uh, the person and then take notes afterwards. And kind of our approach is, uh, using our proximity to these people in the neighborhoods right around our church building to our advantage. Yeah. And and so what we found is, you know, this past semester I took my wife with me on Wednesday evenings, and my wife and I uh, went out together into some of these neighborhoods around 5 or 6 o'clock at night, and uh, we would knock on a door with a little gift bag in our hand, and when somebody came to the door, uh, we would say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Grant, this is Melissa, we're from Calvary Baptist Church just down the street. And nine times out of ten, as soon as I got the the name Calvary Baptist Church out, they started shaking their heads like they knew exactly who I was, what what church I was talking about. And that's because they drive past it every day, you know, on their way to work or on their way to school or whatever they're doing because they live in the neighborhood right around our church building. And so that immediately was an icebreaker, uh, so to speak. Uh, and and gave us an advantage. And so then uh, we'll, we'll tell them, look, we're just out in the neighborhoods around our church building praying for people that live around us, and we want to know if there's any way we can pray for you. And, uh, and when they tell us, inevitably, they'll have something that they'd like for us to pray for them about. Uh, I'll pray for them right then and there on their doorstep or in their home if they invite us in. And after we pray for them and say amen, I, I'll say, hey, do you mind if I share with you uh, what Christ has done in my life, and then just very, very briefly share uh, a short version of my testimony. After that, I'll ask them, you know, has anything like that ever happened to you? And and uh, depending on what they say, I'll say, do you mind if I if I draw you a picture that shows you the whole Bible in one in one drawing? And then we use uh, three circles, which is a, a, a gospel tool that we adopted. Uh, and that we use a guy named Jimmy Scroggins down in, in, yeah. in South Florida, wrote the material. It's great. Uh, and I have a little notebook, and I'll just draw the three circles out for them and share the gospel with them. And we've had several people that have come to Christ in the past year uh, just out of doing that very thing. And, uh, and then afterwards, after we, we get back, uh, we'll use the software, Bless Every Home, to, to get that person's address and have their name. And I'll write them a little note and say, it was great to meet you tonight put that in the mail and and that and that and that's pretty much it but we do that as just a piece of the puzzle i think of, of reaching our community and i will tell you that we, what we have found is that you might be able to go door to door 30 minutes away from your church building somewhere else in jackson and not have the same kind of warm receptivity yeah. that you have in the neighborhoods and in the homes right around your building there's something about your proximity that opens up conversations and doors that otherwise are not there. Yeah, and you know, I think the way your approach is, you know, you're not showing up with some kind of a 
canned approach. I mean, you're you're just showing up to serve people through prayer, and then you know beyond that, just engage in a conversation. And so you know, trying to break out, and, and I'm not poo pooing at all. You know, four spiritual laws or CWT or any EE or any of those others. But it sounds like what you're really doing is listening to people and listening for their need to be able to really get to know them and know how to minister to them. Yeah, absolutely. And and oftentimes when you ask somebody, how can I pray for you? Um, they, and they will tell you about something difficult that's going mm-hmm. on in your life. And then one of the one of the, the the things about three circles is that if you're familiar with it, it begins by talking about the broken world that we live in. Uh, and so it's very easy to transition from someone sharing with you a problem that they're having in their life to then talking about, well, that's because this world, the Bible says, is broken. It's under the fall, and let me tell you how God has uh, God has made a way to save us from that. Uh, just to give you an example, I went with um, a guy one night to do this. Went door to door. The first house we came to, knocked on the house uh, on the door, and uh, a man about my age came to the to the door and answered it. I told him why we were there, where we were from, that we were wanting to pray for him, and he said, "Come on in." Uh, so, uh, and you'd be you'd be surprised at how many people will just invite you straight into their house yeah. uh, if you're there to, to pray for them. And so he invited me in, called his wife over to him, and we began talking. And they they started saying, actually, yeah, we we would love for you to pray for us. About two weeks ago, my wife's mother, who was living with us and helping take care of our children, dropped dead in that bathroom right over there wow. and pointed to his bathroom in his house. He said, we've just been, uh, our heads have just been spinning lately, trying to figure out life and, and why it happened and, and all of these things. And so we prayed for him and, and for her and for the loss of her mother, went into sharing the gospel, and that night both the husband and the wife mm-hmm. gave their life to Christ. And so just, uh, I think God is sovereign over all of that. And just as you see in the book of Acts, God, when Paul goes out or uh, the missionaries are sent out. God directs their steps, and they'll meet a Lydia down by the river mm-hmm. whose heart is open. And, and God has those people of peace that he calls them in Luke 10 that are out there. And if we'll be faithful to go, he'll He'll lead us to some of them. Not not necessarily every time, but, but oftentimes he will. Well, it sounds like so. if you, if, especially if you, if you knock on enough doors, there's going to be enough people that respond. Then you go back and get the others at another time. But... Uh, you know, it, it does sound like when, uh, going back to what you said earlier, you know, when we're faithful to go, God's been faithful to provide that harvest. But, you know, one thing's for sure, if you guys had never left the church walls, uh, that, that, th- that couple would have never been able to experience just uh, a, a release from the experience that they had had and, and those answers that they were looking for. I mean, have you found Absolutely. as you as you have you found as you go out that people are are hostile or closed or are people open and searching? We have not found anyone hostile yet. I mean, we've had a few people tell us, "Hey, you know, they don't really, they don't really want to talk," but that that's very few, very few and far between. Uh, the vast, majority, I mean, the very first person we ever knocked on their door invited us into their house. I'm not this it, it wasn't the story I just told you. Uh it was the very first time we ever seen anybody out from our church to go knock on a door when we started this. Uh they they invited us into their home. We talked for 45 minutes about the gospel. Wow. I I had a I had a lady we knocked on her door once. And before she ever came to the door, she hollered from the couch and said, "Come in." And uh <laughs> I said, "Are you sure?" And she said, "Yeah, come on in." And so 
we just walked right in, shared the gospel with her, and and so it's it, it's amazing how receptive people are, especially when they find out. And this is back to my point: when they find out uh, that you're from a church right around the corner from their house, and that you're just wanting to pray for them. Uh, that that's really been we found that to be very helpful. I, I bet there's a lot of communities across our state where somebody lives within that close proximity to a local Baptist church that would be shocked if somebody came because they they haven't had any contact with that church possibly ever, or if they've lived in that neighborhood and were not a church attender for, for decades. And so yeah. it, it it really is a church re-engaging with the community that it served possibly in the 50s or 60s Maybe that neighborhood's transition, and so you know the look of the people are different. But it, it really, it sounds like you know it's almost like a hey, this is this is an introduction. Sorry, we didn't get here sooner, kind of thing. Sometimes, right? Yeah, and 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 I, and I say again that the door to door is not the only thing we're doing yeah. for evangelism, or that we're trying to do to reach the community. But what will happen is a lot of your initiatives, whether it's door to door or other things that we can talk about will begin to overlap one another. Yeah. And so the person that you prayed for on their doorstep will also be someone that uh, gets invited to an Easter service or something. So yeah. that, that's exactly what happened on one occasion. We uh, had a lady that we were canvassing a neighborhood and showed up on her doorstep. And, uh, man, we prayed for her that night. because We said, is there any way we can pray for you? And just about a year earlier, her son had committed suicide. Mm. She was still just really grieving over that. So we prayed for her. Uh, not long after that, we had a big invite day at our church, and it turns out um, that one of our church members, that was her uh, high sc- one of her high school coaches. Wow. And so she invited her to come to church. And so there's all this overlap now where she knows us from praying with her about her son from going door to door, and then also is invited to come to a service and just... Uh, the repetition and the overlap of those different forms of outreach, I think, can can really start to build up. Well, it's that, so it's, door, door, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, it's it's just that consistency of presence, being in people's lives, and really showing people they're not a project, but but they are people that your church cares about because they live in your church's neighborhood. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, an- another way that we've tried to, to reach the neighborhood is is through uh, doing different kind of service projects. We we've had service project teams at our church uh, for years, and until recently, they've kind of all been scattered out throughout the city. And so we will have teams that work with the police department or that uh, work with uh, local schools and and things of that nature, and they all do fantastic work. But what we realized was, you know, we're not really focusing any of our service projects to show tangible acts of love to people, we're not focusing any of those on the neighborhoods right around our church building. And so this past year, around Thanksgiving, we did, uh, in order to do that, we did a big Thanksgiving meal giveaway, and we focused strictly on the neighborhoods right around our church. And so what we did was uh, a few weeks uh, before Thanksgiving, we went around canvassing the uh, apartments and homes around our church and handing out vouchers. And uh, we would just show up and say, hey, listen, our church is giving away free box Thanksgiving meals with a turkey and sides and rolls and all that kind of stuff in it. It's absolutely free. Would you like one? Uh, and 
you know, when they when they you know finally came to to grips with the fact that we really were going to give them something free like that, they said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll take one, and I uh, told them where to come pick it up on a certain day, and they would come to the church. And when they got to the church on the pickup day, uh, they would wait while their box was being filled, and and they would talk to myself or some of our other team members there, and we would say, hey, let we want to explain to you why we're doing this, and we would share three circles with them, share the gospel with them, and. Uh, we had several people that actually came to Christ that way as well. And so that was something where we said, okay, we're doing service projects all over the city. Let's try to have one of those that really uh, uh, focuses in on those who live within close proximity to our church so that you can get more of the overlap of those outreach efforts into the people that you're trying to reach around your building. Yeah, just that it sounds like a really strategic, concentrated effort, like we're, like you're a real intentionality that we're going to make sure that we have several touches in our own community and our, you know, that, that mile around our church. And just that repetition is really starting to, to build fruit. And I mean, you, you said this is just something you guys really started uh, this last year, really focusing on that. So, I mean, even in this early stage, uh, you're starting to see that fruit. And so, you know, who knows what will happen here in the second, third, fourth, fifth year, really with that, that stick-to-itiveness. So... What uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm making notes here as you go along, and I'm, I'm looking at some of the ideas that you've thrown out. There's little here that looks like much financial investment. It it looks like pretty much everything is is an investment in want to, like a desire, a true desire to see the community around your church come to Christ. So this does sound like something that churches really. The, the whole idea of, well, financially, we don't have the resources to do X. It doesn't sound like that's a valid excuse here. No, I don't think so. I mean, none of the stuff, we actually, when we started doing some of these things, we had not budgeted for any of it uh, because we came up with some of these ideas in the middle of the year. And you yeah. know how that is if you've worked with church budgets. And so, uh, but none of these things really have cost much money. Some of the some of the Thanksgiving meals stuff, those were canned good donations and things like that. But, uh, you know, I think churches of any size probably have done something like that before or are capable of doing something like that. You don't have to have great facilities to do any of those things. Uh, So really it's more of a time commitment and uh, just a commitment to the Great Commission that I think any church can do. So if, you know, someone's listening to this or eventually reading the article in the uh, Baptist and Reflector, and you know, their church has been one that has been a bit detached from their community. What would you say to that pastor, or maybe a member of that church, that would give them a handle? Where That's great. We'd love to do that. Where do we start? How do we re-engage our community? I would say start researching your community. You might not be as familiar with it as you think. Start praying for your community. Mm intentionally and and I don't just say that to sound spiritual I, I, I truly believe that if you don't do that you're not going to see any fruit yeah um, and then start start evangelizing your community I would say commit to a gospel tool for us it's been three circles it's something that can be easily replicated by all of our people uh, and then commit to a few three or four different initiatives that are focused really right around the neighborhoods around your church try door-to-door as one of them do a service project, but do it right around uh, your church building and some of the neighborhoods around there. Uh, one thing I didn't mention was start seeing your church facility as a neighborhood center. Wow. 
not just a place for Christians to gather. Yeah. Uh, our church happens to have a gym. I know every church doesn't have a gym. Uh, one of the things that's meant for us is all throughout the week, we now have people up there playing basketball in our gym um, that the majority of them are not believers. Um, something we're starting right now is opening up for anyone who lives within a one-mile radius of our church building that can come uh, and use our church facility to throw a birthday party for their child or grandchild, just for uh-huh. absolutely free. We'll have a team of people that will host that. So uh, try door-to-door, try service projects in the community. Use your church facility, whatever, however small or large that might be, as a neighborhood center, getting unbelievers there and letting them use it for free. Uh, and and then there are just some some overall principles that I guess we could talk about if you want that would work evangelistically regardless of where you're focusing, whether it's in the, neighbor, in the neighborhoods around a church building or elsewhere. But those are some of the, the specific ones that I would say if you really want to start reaching the community around the around the building, you can start there. Man, those are some great handles, and it's it's almost like okay. Pick at least one of those and get started on doing it. But uh, it really does sound like, you know, knowing who who's in your community so that you can pray effectively with insight, and then just getting out there and telling those pre- people that you're you've been praying for them. So uh, that lo- low cost, no cost, it, you know, all it requires is a little effort to do that. Um, you know, you did mention bless every home uh, earlier. I know you guys are using the mapping component of it. You know, if, even if even if this wasn't an initiative of the church, you know, an individual could get on there and, and, you know, find their neighborhood and see who lives around them and just start strategically praying for them and, you know, praying that their church will catch a vision for that neighborhood. Uh, you know, I, we, um, we too often don't see prayer as a first resource, but a last, last resort. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys have really emphasized that and obviously you're starting to see fruit from that. So... One thing that I would add on as, as the cherry on the top, and this is maybe the most important thing I'll say, I would encourage the pastors out there to lead out in this. And if there's one specific thing I could encourage you to do as a pastor and as a leader to lead out in this that I've found effective is if you, will, if you as a pastor will schedule evangelism into your week every week, it will revolutionize the evangelistic effort of your church. And so just like I schedule my sermon preparation time, just like I schedule visits and other things and meetings that I have going on throughout the week, every Monday I try to schedule when am I going to share the gospel with somebody this week. Will it be a door-to-door experience? Is it going to be somebody that's visited our church that I can take to lunch and share the gospel with them? Is it the, a family member of a new believer that we're discipling? Whatever it might be, schedule that into your week. Start sowing more seeds, and I think that uh, the rest of the church will follow your example. That's a great word, being intentional about it and, and evangelism not being an afterthought but a forethought. Um, that's a that's a great word, and all of us really could use that, not just pastors. So uh, that's what the Lord has us here to do. Amen. So, well, Grant, we're excited for just uh, things that you have going on there. Definitely praying for the, um, the you know the continued just being able to strengthen uh, Calvary there in, in the church, and you know uh, may it be so across our state that uh, certainly churches that are in those anchor neighborhoods are going to be able to you know step out and reconnect. And man, what an impact that would make in our cities, especially our urban centers, if churches will do that. So. Um, 
Thanks for spending some time with us, and uh, we look forward to catching up in the future and just kind of hearing a report of what's been going on. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Radio BNR, a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist's Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.